Emotionally immature and vacant parents can really do a number on kids. And when a child takes responsibility to monitor a parent's feelings, keeping them feeling okay and worrying that, you know, whether or not everything's gonna fall apart, they don't get the inner sense of security that's necessary to move out into the world like an adult. You know, finding your tribe, making a living, discovering your talents and gifts. These are all so important to a good life. But when that black hole in your childhood drained away all the guidance, all the teaching by example, all the sense of structure that you were supposed to get, you can end up in your adulthood feeling like your life isn't real yet. And you're waiting, you're waiting for someone to come put you back on track, back on the path of your actual life. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Jerry, and she writes, Dear Anna, what I would like to ask today is specifically about this whole concept of putting limerent thoughts into a sealed vault and away, as I have heard you describe. Now, this letter is gonna to go to some new territory after this, but I'm including it because it's important background. I'm using my fairy pencil here. I'm circling things I wanna come back to on a second reading, but let's go through, and I'm gonna read you a part one and a part two of Jerry's letter. All right. She says, I find this difficult because of the phenomenon, when I say don't think of an elephant, what do you think of? So my question for you is how to really implement clearing and letting go of these thoughts completely. In the past few months of doing the daily practice, my limerence has definitely improved. But I admit the thoughts still come. I've actually been resisting writing to you because deep down a part of me believes I found my twin flame. So if you don't know what twin flames are, it's a new age spiritual belief that some people have this other half of their soul that is in somebody else's body and they have to find that person. And unfortunately, it's often a way that people get obsessed, limerent on people they can't have. Oh, they're a twin flame. They're actually the other half of me. They just don't know it yet. And there are a lot of people who prey on people who believe that by selling them psychic services and things. So to help them keep believing this thing. So part of me believes I found my twin flame and I've been limerent in the past, but have managed to completely let go and move on from each of the people I've been limerent on. Except this most recent experience, I met this person for literally three hours on one day as a result of connecting on a dating app. I immediately deemed them the answer to my prayers and meditations. I've reached out to him three times over the course of two and a half years and he has not once responded. And I got super tangled up in this mess. I was stalking him on social media and spent my entire inheritance getting scammed by a psychic who claimed to quote, bring us together. With your content and this practice, I'm beginning to experience glimpses of clarity from this fog, this entanglement. I'm beginning to make my first real friend in what feels like a long time. I'm starting to collaborate with midwives in the birth work realm and uh, applying for jobs in different fields such as homesteading, homestead gardening. I'm going to attempt to be as clear. Oh, so, okay. So this is where I switch over. She wrote a second letter. She wrote me a letter. There was more. And um, I went ahead and took that part out. And now I'm going to go on to the second letter she sent when she had second thoughts about what she said the first time. Um, she says, I'm going to attempt to be as clear and straightforward in this letter to you because I have been living in such a fog that it has completely clouded my vision. Even when I wrote to you the first time, I was not expressing what is actually happening in my life. I do the daily practice twice a day and have been going to a few AA meetings and meeting people even though I'm sober. 
Hmm. I also made a daily practice buddy through one of your Zoom calls, so thank you. I currently am a nanny for a child and making barely enough for me to live, let alone pay down my massive student debt. I went to college for my dad and because of my dad and have spent my entire life trying to prove myself to him. He's gone most of my life, at least half the time, on, quote, business trips or work or something else. When he was home, he was yelling at me, demeaning me or cuddling me or saying I love you. However, the I love yous were almost always paired with some accomplishment like a grade I made. At least that is how it seems to me. Now he and my mom are literally living in a mess. It is sad to watch my parents withering away like this in a falling apart house. As a child, my mom, in the best of her loving intentions, was constantly fearful, anxious, and afraid of my dad, although she depended on him for financial means. As a child, I mothered my own mom, and emotionally, I starved. Now I'm living on my own. I've been financially independent from my dad for three years now by working as a nanny and renting rooms. I've been trying to get the emotional love from the families I work for. It doesn't really work because that is transactional. Mm -hmm. And me giving and giving and giving, just as I have my whole life. That is still the role I play with my own parents as I'm emotionally maturing and they are staying children emotionally. I'm utterly exhausted. Which brings me to today. I'm emerging out of a fog of limerence, which has been sucking the life out of me the past two and a half years. Someone who had no interest in me, but I decided was my twin flame and all the spiritual entanglement that comes with it. I gave myself away to the idea of this person, financially to the psychic who claimed to bring us back together, and emotionally put all my thoughts toward the guy. I actually physically took a job where I thought he lived, which is where I live now. He's not here. Just me, Anna. I was in dark deep. <laughs> but what I really want to ask you about today is how to help me actually live for myself and take a step toward a more fulfilling life for myself, financially, emotionally, relationally, and physically. I have two and a half more months until I complete my current nannying job. And after that, I can do something different. And I'm at the point now where it's time to start making those moves, reaching out, applying for jobs, etc. And I'm a bit overwhelmed and feeling abandoned as the family I nanny is starting to interview candidates for when I leave. I had the choice to stay and I'm choosing to leave even though I do not know what I'm going to do. I just really want to do something different. I'm so overwhelmed because I do not have something to fall back on financially and no backup place to go as I cannot go to family. When I actually sit with my heart, what I desire is in the evenings cooking dinner together with people. I enjoy being around and sitting at the table together. I desire to live where it is sunnier and warmer temperatures down south, accepting that this is just who I am. I really want to live simply with the land, quietly having a space of my own within a family. I would like to live with chickens and water a garden and cook at least one meal a day for others. I worry I don't know clearly enough what I want. I worry I have not really experienced being loved to the point where my gifts emerge. And this is what I really want. But how do I admit this as a 25-year-old? I'm caring for myself right now, but I would like to also to be cared for. The family um, I nanny for is so loving, but still, when all is said and done, I work 11 hours a day, and I know I'm worth more than this. While considering my options, I could apply to non-nannying jobs and continue renting a room. But I fear ending up lonely in the evenings again. I also created a workaway account, which I think is a place where you get jobs, where I'm honest about myself and my intention to live with a family 
as community daily, not as a nanny. I'm starting to reach out for opportunity here, and this is a step. I need to also be bringing in income to pay down my loans. I'm leaning, I'm learning to embrace and own who I am and where I am at, at healing CPTSD and trust it is possible to be part of a reciprocal and harmonious home. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Okay, Jerry, I think I can help. This is a very complicated and interesting letter and situation you have here. So I'm glad you wrote to me again and shed a little more light on what was going on. And I think that the insight that you show about yourself that came through that second letter was really impressive. And I'm proud of you for that. Okay. Um, so in your first letter, you had, you said something that I just wanted to say may have been a misunderstanding. Um, where you said, I want to ask about how you put limerent thoughts into a sealed vault away. Um, it's a little different than what I say. I just say stop thinking them. There's no sealed vault. That's a, a, a metaphor or something, but you're not putting them away to take them back later. You're just disciplining yourself to stop thinking about it. All right. That's what you do to get over a limerent relationship. You stop talking about it. You stop thinking about it. You don't write about it. You don't keep pictures and you discipline yourself to just stop getting that dopamine hit of returning and returning and returning to it. And, um, they're really, you know, I teach you a lot of tools to deal with your emotions and all the stuff that comes up and that's all part of it, that and support. But in the end, you've got to decide to put the addiction down. So when you say, when I say not to think of an elephant, you're going to think of it, but that's why we do the daily practice. And that's what I teach where you write your fearful and resentful thoughts on paper and ask for them to be removed or release them and rest in meditation. So twice a day, you have a chance to write anything you want that's bothering you about these memories and these fantasies, but they're not in a vault. They're very much like coming out. They're moving down the chain. They're getting pooped out. <laughs> all gone. And if you have that thought again, then you have a fresh thought, but again, you're just going to keep it moving. So think of it differently than a vault that you, you know, try not to think about. There's no vault. So, um, in the past few months of doing the daily practice, limerence got better, but the thoughts still come. That's normal. It especially is normal to have limerence stay with you when your life sucks, which your life does. It sounds very empty and stressful and sad right now. You're in debt. You're in this nanny job. It doesn't pay enough. And you just squandered all your inheritance on a, on a scam. Um, you thought you had a twin flame and, um, it's funny. I get hate mail from twin flame devotees from time to time. And they're just like, they accuse me of stealing their knowledge. I mean, it's pretty, well, I'm not going to go there, but it does not serve people with limerence. The whole twin flame idea, I know of no exceptions. It's a tool of limerence to believe that somebody who's not into you is actually into you. And there's hope and you can keep pouring all this energy into this fantasy rather than into your own life. I have yet to meet anybody who's into the twin flame idea who actually make sustains themselves with a proper living. It's an addiction and say what you will about that. People say, oh, you just don't understand. I do actually understand. I know a great deal about it and I reject it. So you could take that or leave that for people who watch that. So I really recommend to you, Jerry, that you really try to face reality on this. Um, there, this guy is not into you and you know, staying away. It's really good. You just, I'm glad you are feeling the pain because it may have cost you a great deal of money to get this knowledge that people will just rip you off and manipulate you to believe that love is just around the corner. But what you're doing here, what putting all your love on somebody who barely even exists in your reality, who you met for three hours once and doesn't want to see you doing that is it, 
you know who it happens to? It happens to people who are emotionally neglected. You got really good at imagining love where there is no love. You got good at that as a kid. It saved you. It kept you intact for adulthood. And now it's just time to take it off, you know? No more fake love, only real love for you. And I've got some things to kind of like bring up here in your letter because I think your proposed solution doesn't feel like love either. So let's just see what we got here. All right. So you've been doing the daily practice. You started to get glimpses of clarity. Yeah, it does that, doesn't it? Anybody who wants to learn the daily practice, by the way, there's always a link down below in the description section. It's free. You can learn it for free. And th these are the techniques I've been using for almost 30 years. They're the, it's what saved my life. It's what continues to support my healing. It calms dysregulation. Okay, even when... I wrote you the first time. I wasn't expressing what was actually happening. So yeah, it sounds like you were kind of in a fog when you first wrote, and then you got out a little bit. Clarity versus fog. That is so good, Jerry. That's what healing looks like. You come out of the fog, and sometimes we don't like what we see. You know, we start to see reality for what it is, and we're not dressing it up in twin flames and hope and blah, blah, blah. Instead, it's just like, oh, this is a tough situation, and changing it is going to be hard. But that's okay. That's okay. All of our ancestors had to do stuff that's really hard, and we can do it too. We can do it too. We're equipped. We are strong and we're capable. All right. So this was a little confusing to me. I've been going to a few AA meetings and meeting people even though I'm sober. So I wasn't sure if you're saying you got sober and, and you need to stop drinking because you're an alcoholic and that's why you're going to AA. Or if you're going to a few AA meetings for some reason, even though you're not an alcoholic, if that's what you mean by sober. So in AA, that word sober really means a specific thing. So, I, you know, it's, it, it means not only not drinking, but participating in the program of recovery. That's what sober means. And in AA, dry is the word for somebody who's not drinking, but not participating in a program of recovery. So it sounds like, I don't know, you poked your head in, but what I'm curious about is if you're an alcoholic, why are you just going to a few meetings? And if you're not an alcoholic, why are you going to AA? Now I know that I say, you know, go to some open AA meetings, but this is like, we're post pandemic now. You've got your own meetings to go to. And maybe you live way out in the country and there's no meetings, but you need to be at your own meetings. And if you can't get to them physically, you need them online. And your own meetings, if you're not an alcoholic, from what you're saying here, might be Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, especially if it's a women's meeting, um, Codependence Anonymous, Debtors Anonymous. Debtors Anonymous is where people go when they're under earning and in debt. And it's a terrible problem to have. And I just don't think... It's common that there are easy resources for this, but 12-step programs are free. You make friends who are walking the same path. They're wonderful. And I've known a lot of people who do Debtors Anonymous, and I really like what they've been able to do with their recovery. I'm very impressed. It's honest. It's valuable. And um, they, I just see them setting boundaries. I see them buying houses. You know, good things come from that. So go to 12-step meetings for yourself. I can't help but wonder, if you are an alcoholic and you want to stop drinking and AA is for you, I think you're kind of half-assing it here. And if you're not, I, I can't help but wonder if you're there trying to meet men. That's what I'm thinking. AA is full of men, but it's full of men who are fragile, who are in grave danger, who have a progressive and fatal disease and who are working on it. So just, 
I'm not saying this is definitely true for you, but for anybody listening, do not go poaching romance in 12-step meetings. It's, you know, pe- this is like the worst thing that can happen to somebody newly sober is that they get into a relationship and things get crazy. You know, it, they get obsessive, they get their heart broken. A relationship can be really destabilizing to somebody and it's not morally right to go in there and try to get your needs met from somebody who's in a life and death situation. And furthermore, even if people have a little bit more recovery than that, I would just say if you have CPTSD, it is not ideal to go, you know, browsing for partners in a place that's all about trying to recover from this terrible condition. I would just say that. So when people are in 12-step programs for themselves, they may meet potential partners there. There's still a lot of trouble that can happen. But I'm just going to put a big yellow flag around your participation in AA there. I didn't understand what it was, and since you're not clear, I'm not clear. All right. Then you say, you currently nanny for a child, and you're making barely enough to live, let alone pay down your massive student debt. I, um, this is really normal. What you're telling me, being a nanny and having a massive debt, I've seen this again and again and again. And I, I'm going to say debtors anonymous, because this is a very bad recipe for your future. With the debt, you're not really free to pursue something new, like go to school or you know do a new thing. And with nannying, you're never going to have savings. It's just never going to be enough money. And I, I know a number of people who nanny professionally. And I, I, I know that it's a job that can be a real godsend for somebody who's a refugee or who has just immigrated and or they, you know, they don't have any skills to do anything else. But girl, if you have student debt, you have education and you must go find a way to earn some proper money. If you don't earn money, you're behaving as if, and this will sound harsh, but you're behaving as if somebody's going to come rescue you. You got free of your dad, but I can't help but think this limerent idea, which always visits upon people whose lives are bleak right now, that's when it comes but that you're going to get rescued from this. And that's why I love your second letter, you know, where you really say, I need to get on track. I need to get my life together. Yes, that's right. Okay. So then you said you're looking at these other careers and I'm going to say something unpopular, but like collaborating with midwives in birth work and homestead gardening, these are notoriously terrible jobs for money. They may be passion jobs for you, and that's nice, but that means you do them on the side. You need to make a living. If you don't intend to be taken care of, and you say, I I need to be taken care of. I take care of others. I want to be taken care of. I'm going to lead up to how you get taken care of in the proper way, in the legitimate way. But right now, you're 25. You're nowhere near about to, like, settle down or have a family or anything. It's time for you to become truly self-supporting, which means supporting yourself, paying off your debts, and being in something that is uplifting for you and fair. So when we talk about, like, earning what we're worth, nannies get what nannies get. The market dictates what nannies get. And it's notoriously low pay. It's notoriously low pay. So when you say you're worth more, this is where I'm going to tough love you. To be worth more, you have to do something that pays more. This is just how the world works. So if you know, if you do a low-paid job, you cannot rail against the world that your low-paid job has low pay. You're going to if you if money is what you want, if you want to get enough money to live on, you've got to go look at the work that brings in sufficient money. And you may also want to really look at like health insurance and um, vacation benefits and all those things. Nannying, you know, the minute they don't need you anymore, you're out of a job and you don't have all those benefits. So 
I, I just, I, I really want to emphasize that for you. It's, it's a fine thing for somebody who has no choice or for somebody who is about to get rescued by somebody else, but that's not where you are. You want to get on your feet, you got to have a proper, proper job. So I'm really proud of you for quitting that job without having another one lined up, but you have got to get busy right now getting that job lined up, like out of the fog, out of the fantasy. I'm, I'm picking up your letter very quickly here after you sent it in because I feel there's urgency here. No messing around. There's nothing like urgency to get you to, you know, do what you have to do. And that's totally how I ended up starting my own business um, in 2008. You know, everybody I knew got laid off and that meant as a consultant, I didn't have any work. And that's when I started a company. And that company, I had a video production company. And then with the pandemic, I put all my time into crappy childhood fairy. And now this is a wonderful way to make a living now. And it supports my whole family and I'm doing what I love to do. So it worked out. But because I was a single mom, I'm a married mom now, a remarried mom now. Um, but because I was a single mom at the time when all that work dried up, I had to figure something out. And if you, I'm going to put a thing at the end of this video, if you had one year to heal, one year to heal, what would you do? Because I think you know, you know what to do. And so this birth work thing, if, if it's being a doula or a homestead gardening, you're going to have to figure out a way to charge a lot of money for what you're doing and become worth that. And I just, yeah, these are both very freelancey things and not likely to get you the security you want. So I say hobbies. Now I ran a video production company and my hobby was crappy childhood fairy. If I could do that, you could do that. When you're young and you don't, you're not, you don't have kids, you don't have a partner right now, you have a lot to give to the world and you can simultaneously support yourself and develop your next thing. And you've got to start thinking that way. So then you say, um, you went to college for your dad and because of your dad and have spent your entire life trying to prove myself to him. Okay, I'm glad you take responsibility for that. Your dad's out of the picture now. He's not supporting you. It doesn't matter what you thought at the time. All that matters is what you do right now, is what your choices are right now and how you solve your problem. It, it, you know, it's clear he's not going to solve it. And I'm glad you get to have that lack of investment with him. So he was gone a lot of your life half the time and he was hot and cold, demeaning, cuddling. And then your mom was childlike and you had to emotionally babysit her. I've seen this a lot where girls who had to emotionally babysit their moms I've this is a pattern I've noticed and you know perhaps some of the professionals know about research on it I've just noticed it crop up again and again if you don't get raised as a child by the adult you have trouble growing up later and that's kind of what I'm seeing you keep wanting to go back into some family where you'll be taken care of but you're right that's transactional at this time of life it's not your family which is curiously absent from your vision of having your own family um so you say you still, your parents, their house is run down, eh, you know, and you still play the role as you're emotionally maturing and they are staying children emotionally. So um, I hear you, but I would just really focus on the ways that you're not maturing emotionally yet. You're not self-sufficient yet. You're not having a relationship with a real human being yet. Just focus on yourself. I'm not trying to put you down, but just saying all that energy worrying about your parents or trying to figure them out, just bring it on in because you need every bit of focus right now to get yourself lifted up, all right? So you're coming out of the fog of limerence. It's been sucking the life out of you, yep. And the twin flame, twin flame spiritual entanglement that comes with it. So when you say spiritual entanglement, I'm just going to say, well, that sounds like somebody else was involved and it wasn't. And so it was... 
it was your, it was a fantasy and you gave yourself away to the idea of this person mm -hmm, who is, has nothing in common with the person himself. The idea of the person is in here. And then financially, you gave all your money to a psychic who claimed to bring you back together. So live and learn, all right? You're not going to be gullible like that anymore. Never give money to people to do magic for you. Don't do it, okay? You physically took a job where you thought he lived to try to be around him, even though he would never return your messages at when you reached out three times in two years. He's not there. It's just you. So good. Now you're like, here you are. You launched yourself. Now you're on your own and you were in dark and deep. But what you really want to ask is, now what? How do you actually live for yourself and take a step toward a more fulfilling life? Financially, emotionally, relationally, and physically. So you have two and a half more months to complete the nannying job. And by the time this is on YouTube, it'll be even less than that. You're almost done. And you're feeling bad because they're replacing you. And I think that's how anybody would feel, you know, when they watch their replacement being interviewed. I think that's normal. Um, but you really want to do something different, good. And you're so overwhelmed because you don't have something to fall back on financially and no backup place to go. Yeah, so <laughs> money time, right? Time to line up some work or the type of work that has a house built in, a place to live built in, or line up some friends. Like it's time to get seriously busy on this and don't just leave it to the vague fog that you're in that somehow this is gonna work out. You have agency, my love. You are a young woman and you can, you can figure this out. And our ancestors time and time again, you know, they started as immigrants and they, uh, or they lived off the land and they, they made something out of nothing time and time again, right? They did it and we can do it too. And I've done it and you will do it. You will do it. But I want you to let go for the idea right now that living with some family who's not your family is somehow going to scoop you up. Like right now you have to be a single woman on her two feet. Very powerful thing to be. When you sit with your heart, you, you have this image in your mind of evenings cooking dinner together with people you love being around and sitting at the table together. And you want to live where it's sunnier and warmer. And you really want to live simply with the land, quietly having a space of my own within a family. So I just want to say, like, if there are a family and you're not part of that family, you will always be subsidiary to that family. So I think maybe you're talking about like a commune or something. And um, so you could do that. You could be on a commune and maybe there's work for everybody. Also notoriously very hard to save any money or, you know, develop a, a savings account um, doing that. Um, or it's very interesting. You never talk about creating your own family and you're 25. And that's like if being in a family is, in, is what you want. What about being the mother? you know, the, the wife and mother in a family. What about that? It's interesting how that never came up. And I know that the seed of that idea of wanting to be loved by, by a partner is in there because of the limerence. I think that limerence, it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a mutation on a natural desire to pair up with somebody and love them and be loved and have a sex life and have possibly children. Not everybody wants children, but perhaps you do. You end up caring for them all the time. So you say you don't know what you want. And I was just like, yeah, you're like, I just don't think. So this is my impression when I was listening, when I read your letter the first time. Um, Handmaid's Tale. Do you watch the show or read the book? They have these things called Marthas. And they're women who are enslaved. And I know you're not signing up to be a slave, but they're enslaved. 
to sit there and do the cooking, to be asexual beings who do the cooking and cleaning and take care of everything. And they, they, they do that for the family who has all the power. And that's what it sounds like. You're like, I could be a Martha. And I'm like, ah, do you really want that? I think some people, some people that might be their station, but the limerence is the key that there's something else in your heart that you, you, you want that love. So I think having a family is a wonderful thing. I'm somebody who always wanted it. I'm somebody who was really scared I wasn't going to get it. I'm somebody who now has it. And I, not a day goes by that I don't feel so grateful to have a family. My family of origin kind of di died or dissipated or stopped speaking to each other. But the family that I now have with my two children, my second husband, who's not their dad, and friendships with the guy who is their dad and his new wife, like that's my family. That's who I spend holidays with. We hang out, we call each other when we need something. And then I have a few very close friends that I can also, you know, they, they join us for holidays. We can call them if we need something. And it's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing to have in life. And I spent years not having any of this. I had friends kind of, but not the kind who helped you. And I talk about that phase of my life in a lot of other videos and in my courses. I had gotten very surface with the world. I didn't have people I could count on. I, I, for four years, I was in and out of the hospital with a medical problem for a while back in the past. And I didn't have people I could call for a ride home from the hospital. I had very few people who would visit me, certainly not more than once. One time I was in the hospital for a month straight. I went a whole week without anybody calling or visiting. It had come to that. It had come to that. And that's a very hard place to be. And so that's what I love about my life right now. And I remember at the time going, why don't I have anybody like this? And, you know, somebody, a mentor helped me and just said, look, you, your mom died. You know, you, your sister is AWOL, doesn't speak to you and still hasn't spoken to me in many years. Can't, couldn't possibly help if, if she wanted to. Uh, you know, I don't have a daughter. I don't have a partner. I didn't then. And I didn't really have a best friend. I had no one to help. And that's what happened. And so it was pointed out to me that I had to start somewhere in that cluster, in that constellation of people who would be there for you. And so it's a very hard road to have to pull it all together all by yourself. But again, at the stage of life you're in, it's okay. It's normal. And you were helped at one time. You got an inheritance. You made a mistake. So there was family help. Many people, you know, end up at zero without the inheritance. You know, ending up at zero is normal. It's normal and you can do this. And you're going to have to have friends. You're going to have to do a lot of research and you're going to have to work hard and be clear headed about where you're trying to go with this. And I just, I'm just going to like be your surrogate mom here and just keep sort of nudging you like go for the jobs that pay enough to live on and save some money. Having a little savings is how you're going to be free to get into a relationship if that's what you decide to do and never have to stay because you are out of money. Like imagine if this nanny gig were actually an abusive relationship. I just can't tell you how often that happens. Or a relationship, maybe it's not abusive, but it's miserable. And so many people hold on and stay and crap fit because of the money reason. And so I just really encourage everyone, like get that money thing together. I don't feel like people talk about that enough. Sometimes the people who teach about trauma, they come from a social class that never has to worry about that. But I didn't. I used to live with boyfriends because that's all I could afford to do. Really not good boyfriends. <laughs> and I got to a point, I never wanted to do that again. And I really stepped up my life to make that, that one step up 
to be able to be autonomous. And it, 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 takes some, it takes some time, but sometimes life favors people who give it a try. You know, there's just a wind under your sails that you may experience sometimes. Just have faith. Have faith that if you try, if you communicate, if you keep working on yourself, you know, a little break will, it'll appear. It'll appear for you. All right. Um, so you would like to live with chickens and water a garden and cook. This sounds, yeah, that sounds really lovely. Um, but it's not the part that pays the bills, right? So either you need to be, you know, with a partner who makes a bunch of money or is independently wealthy or a commune that, yeah, no, even in a commune, if you do work, you don't end up with savings. You don't end up with property. And when you're my age, let me tell you, you're going to need a little cushion. Okay. What are you supposed to do? You say you're caring for yourself right now. Yes. Um, but I want to be cared for. All right. So a rented family, a borrowed family, that's not how you get cared for. In that, in the constellation I talked about, there's parents, and right now they cannot be there for you, and probably never, from what you're saying. Okay, you have one friend now, you have one daily practice buddy, very precious, good, but I'm not sure you can go live with those people or anything, and you don't have a partner. I would say, unless you're very committed to being single all your life, let's focus on money and partner. First money, then partner. And you can date in a healthy way. You can do that. Even if you were limerent before, you're going to be able to have a lot more strength against your limerence if and when your life is fun and you have joy. Limerence hits hard on people whose lives are not fun, are not fulfilling, are not full of love. And that's why it's happening to you right now. So the next move is fun, love, friends, money. Then you're in a position to start creating something wonderful in your life. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.